Hello everyone and welcome to our chat. Today we're talking about Easter and more specifically the resurrection. Thanks for joining us. Easter is just around the corner and so today our talk is going to be on the resurrection. Yes, and happy Easter, Pastor Tricia. Happy Easter. What's your favorite Christmas Christmas? What's your favorite Christmas? Christmas. No, 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 no. We're done with that. <laughs> I know. What's your favorite celebration? Favorite celebration? Well, I, I guess probably because it traditionally has been Christmas. Right. Um, Easter, we were never big into um, Easter eggs and stuff. But growing up, we went to every Easter service there was. If there was a play... And back in my day when I was a kid, the church was really big into doing um, the um, Last Supper. And uh, so they did a reenactment of the Last Supper. So they did a whole backdrop. Uh, I mean, carpenters came in, spent a couple of weeks doing a whole backdrop. They tried to duplicate the painting. Yeah. And then they picked 12 men from the church. My dad happened to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, and they dressed, they put wigs on them, they robes. Uh, they had the table, food, set, cameras. And then they did like a week long, every evening, a production of the lab. And so they would spotlight a character and he would come out and they would talk about what was going through their mind when Jesus was saying, one of you will betray me. And that's, right. Yeah. So anyway, that was, we did that for years and years yeah. and uh, it was kind of a highlight. So that was Easter for me. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that you did the whole feet washing thing. <laughs> My, no. One of my uh, best friends, her church, does that every Easter. Pastor will wow. like, do, they all do the feet washing thing. So I was like, oh, I thought you were going to say that's what you did. Have, have you ever Have you ever been there I and done that? I have never okay. participated in it. Uh, yes, okay. usually at our own church for Easter. <laughs> 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 all right, well, let's talk a bit about uh, the resurrection today. So I have my notes because I know that you're going to like drop a lot of good information <laughs> for me to take away. <laughs> well, you know, this is a great opportunity because um, it was... Uh, you ever go to Israel or maybe seen pictures in Israel, in Jerusalem, I don't know, they don't know, scholars don't know, is it the actual location? Maybe, maybe not. But there's a place there where the tomb is empty and mm-hmm. and it has a sign on top of the, or actually it's on the door. And of course, back in the day, in Jesus' day, there would not have been a door. But you go in, you take a look and you see what would be potentially a, a tomb uh, you come out, and the cool thing is when you come out, not until you come out do you see, it says from the text here, Luke chapter 24, he is not here, he has risen. And I really like that because is there any other tomb ever anywhere that is able to make that bold claim? Mm-hmm. He's not here, he's risen. He's never been here. In other words, he didn't decompose here, he's gone. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a, a few years ago in down in the city, uh, a commuter bus and, and an organization had put, and they were really big into putting unusual, even kind of um, uh, testy advertisements on the side of the bus. And one of them was in big letters said, there is probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And it was down Toronto. Um, and it was paid for by the Free Thought Association of Canada. There you go. Um but, of course, that kind of echoes our society. Uh, stop worrying. Uh, enjoy your life. If there's no God, then you have no worry. Mm-hmm. But quite to the contrary, if there is no God, we have much to worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I thought I would maybe we'd talk about is 
there's a lot of thought, a couple things, I guess. One being regarding coming to this season. It's a season for the Christians. We call it Easter. Um, I like to call it Good Friday when it comes to Good Friday. And it's not a Black Friday. It's not a bad Friday. I mean, it was a sorrowful Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's a very reflective Friday. But good for us because we know the end from the beginning which then leads us to Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus rose from the dead, died on the Friday, rose on the Sunday. And there's a couple things come out of this. First of all, we are, as believers, obviously Jesus isn't walking and talking with us today. So by faith, we put our trust in him as Messiah. Uh, we can't scientifically prove that because you, you can't reproduce it. You can't touch it, feel it. You can't use any of your senses so it is an act of faith. But having said that, an act of faith is not blind faith. I mean, not many of us are flying these days, but I've flown a fair bit in my time. And when I get on a plane, I don't know who the pilot is. I trust the system. I trust that they're not letting anybody get behind you know, the cockpit. Mm -hmm. I trust that they're qualified. I trust my life into that person's hands, you know, at 35,000 feet. Uh, that's called faith. I, uh, Lori, when <laughs> when she married me, that's called faith. Um, and don't look so surprised. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> I mean, you didn't say it the other way around. <laughs> you knew what you were getting. <laughs> yeah, man. No, well, there's the thing, right? I mean, we thought we knew what we were yeah, getting, yeah, right? Yeah. But you only you only know a portion, and so right. you end up committing everything about you to a person based on trust, and that trust is based on faith. Yeah. It's based on what you have observed and experienced, but it's still faith. And when we put our faith in Christ, it's not something that is uh, is something to be sneezed at. It really is something that is tangible. So what I thought I would do is, is I've taken some time for myself. And I did this, I had to do this when I was 17 years old. I grew up in a Christian church and took for granted what the faith was all about. I was 17 years old had a number of my, my best buddies were not followers of Christ and they were challenging me. And I really was not a very active Christian. I was a pretty uh, hidden Christian and they were challenging some fundamental things. And I came to the place in my life, if I'm going to firmly and 100% be a follower of Christ, then I've got to discover some of these answers to questions for myself. I can't just hear what my pastor said. I can't just go to church I've got to study it. And so I did when I was 17 years old. I dove in to ask some of the big questions. Does God exist? Um, is there a creator behind the universe? Uh, is God who he says he is? Is Jesus the son of God? And what does that mean exactly? And did Jesus literally die on the cross? Well, obviously he died at some point if he was a, a true person. But the big issue is, did he rise from the dead? And yeah. I began to search all that. So here are some of the things that uh, I want to talk about in order for us to put our faith this Easter in something tangible. Uh, try to do this as, as, as simply as it comes into my mind. Number one, the scriptures are reliable. And think about when you open up the Bible, they have what they call the gospel, um, meaning that there are four writers speaking of the same event of the life of Jesus, and it has a lot of his sayings. So these are eyewitnesses who lived with him, who recorded what he said. 
And so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And out of these Gospels, these go, like you think about their timing. We're talking a way back to when these actually went into print was about AD 90. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, was written within 20 years of Jesus' crucifixion. So when Jesus died, the Gospel came out within 20 years. The Gospel of Luke mentions 53 geographical locations that are still being discovered through archaeological digs and even certainly in the last century has been discovered. And so Luke, they're discovering more and more about the things that Luke spoke of, they're still discovering. Now, I want to compare that, and I'm not going to mention other religions. Right. But I want to compare that with major religions. If I mention them, everybody go, yeah, I know that. Major religions. Let's compare that. One of the major religions, uh, what their source of information, the writings were written 125 years after the death and was edited for another 50 years after that. So the original version ended up being another edited to another edited to another edited version. Mm -hmm. 125 years after the death. Now remember Jesus, it was written while they were still alive. Right. They were writing it down. Four of them that made the gospel message. Another different world religion, their sermons appeared 350 years after their death. So no writings for 350 years until that point in time. Jesus, on the other hand, his teaching, his death, his resurrection were taught by those immediately following his resurrection, then missionaries following that, and and ever since. And so just when you think about the reliability of scripture to mm-hmm. testify to an event that took place is highly probable. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting thing I discovered was that Jesus claimed he was the son of God. Now this, is, this stands out in contrast to many other major religions. Jesus claimed himself as the son of God. He offered forgiveness of sins. Now you can't forgive sins unless you're God. Mm-hmm. He told people that he even existed before Abraham. Well, okay, that's you're crazy unless you are making the claim that you are God. Jesus referred to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Well, that is a pretty heavy claim. And he backed all his claims by miracle after miracle. So Jesus claimed he was the son of God, and he claimed himself also as prophet and priest. So one who speaks on behalf of and one who then on behalf of the people speaks to God. And Mark chapter 12, Jesus is claiming this and, and he claims himself as the son of God, the son of man, the Messiah, that he is going to restore the kingdom. Uh, now, no other faith system purports belief in a personal relational creator that reveals himself to people. Uh, every other major religion consists of rules, philosophies, ethical, political teachings, mythological stories. Uh, One major world religious leader, again, if I mentioned, I mentioned this, I'm alluding to the one I mentioned earlier. He said of himself, quote, as to being a divine sage or even a good man, far be it from me to make any such claim, end quote. In other words, he never claimed to be God. Mm -hmm. Another major world leader that is worshiped today never claimed to be divine. Uh, he was self-proclaimedly saying, I am not a savior. And another one stated, I am only a mortal like you. 
I'm a, I'm a warner of the things to come. But Jesus was very different. This is where Jesus stands out. Jesus accepted worship. He forgave sin, healed the sick, raised the dead, claimed equality, and knew God personally. No one else in any religion ever claimed that in their time. Uh, I think of some of the other things around, okay, did, did Jesus really, did Jesus uh, go to the cross and did he rise from the dead? Uh, so are we good? Yeah. All right, okay. We just wondering if we have a technical problem. Um, the followers of Jesus, they incrementally believed and accepted him as the son of God. The church leaders following that, Ignatius, Polycarp, Augustine, the early apostles, all claimed that he was the Messiah. You go back to the Apostles' Creed. Many of our churches will quote the Apostles' Creed this Easter. Mm -hmm. And it was written to reflect an understanding of what happened in that first century. There's a, a part right in there that says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Uh, you have in the Jewish Talmud. And in the Jewish Talmud, um, and it kind of portrays Jesus in a negative sense, not the most flattering way, but they still align with the sediments held in the early century of people that lived after Jesus. So um, it's interesting that in all of this, there's a uniqueness. And it's this, that the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest issue that humanity has ever dealt with is because, here it is, the empty tomb validates he was who he said he was. Hmm. I mean, that's all about that. Right. It's not that Jesus died. Hardly anybody disputes right. death. But did he rise again? That's why the resurrection is so important. Yeah. It's not that Jesus died on a cross. Others have died on a cross. It's not that he was beaten. Others have been beaten. But they didn't rise from the dead and remain alive to this day. Yeah. And we claim Christ is the Lord. He rose from the dead. And there's so many things around that. And so here's some of the pushbacks I've had. Um, so here they, did Jesus really die? Um, and so there's some theories out there. Uh, one is called, uh, and I don't know, Pastor Trish, if you've had this in your, any of your study experience? No, not yet. Or maybe I have. Let's hear Okay, so one's called the swap okay, no, theory. Okay, I haven't heard that. That they swapped the body. Okay. Right. So therefore, when they went back and they looked at the tomb and it was empty, uh, swapped out. Right. Uh, here's the problem with that. The people that would have had to do the swapping are the ones who least want to swap it. If you want to prove Jesus is dead, you want to prove there's a body there. Mm -hmm. You do not want it swapped in. So to have a, a swap theory doesn't give any strength to that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Mm -hmm. uh, so the empty tomb... Uh, if you want to prove Jesus did not rise, well, show the body. Right. Show the body. Um, which brings us to another theory. They call it the swoon theory. So the idea is that, you know, he went through a really Just rough time. Side. Yeah, you know, like he, he got beaten. He was crucified. It was a really bad day in the life of Jesus. And he passed out. I mean, he was, they couldn't, you know, back then they, they didn't have the stethoscopes. They couldn't yeah. tell if he was really, heartbeat was really going on. They just thought he was dead. They put him in the cool tomb. He revived, pushed back this massive rock, and went on his merry way. 
um, he, he didn't really die, so therefore he wasn't really resurrected. Yeah. Uh, problem with that, so many different problems. Yeah. Forensic experts, it's never been contested in the early century church that he suffered a horrific death. Yeah. So that's believed by everyone. And forensic experts say that if he experienced what he experienced, there is no way there is a comeback on the physical body. Uh, to roll back a stone. To roll back a stone. But a, a spear was thrust yeah, through his side. Right. I mean, that punctured lungs. Yeah. Um, asphyxiation on the cross yeah. with his arms outstretched. Yeah. Uh, spikes driven into his skull. Yeah. Um, all of those bring death in, a, in a, just a matter of time. You don't recuperate from that. Mm-hmm. And even in cool, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can't recuperate. So forensics say that's, it just is impractical to believe that. Mm-hmm. The other thing about the swoon theory is to remember that the crucifixion was a capital punishment by the Romans, and the Romans had perfected this. Right. Like yeah, Jesus they was, what they were doing. They were good at it. Yeah. When they crucified you, when they put you in the tomb, they knew you were dead. Yeah. Like they, they weren't confused what a dead body looked like. These were trained soldiers and not only did you go into the tomb but that you know any concern there was a rock rolled in front of it uh soldier standing guard these people's lives depended on knowing if you're dead or not so you're not going to simply you know revive pick up and go home yeah another theory is uh they stole the body yeah so not guards who were watch who were standing guard over the tomb as well, right? Exactly, and yeah. and these were again trained guards. Yeah. These guards' lives depended yeah. <laughs> on him He's... staying in the tomb, right? Because their lives were threatened, right? When he rose, mm-hmm. so they're not going to let somebody steal the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are yeah. trained, and the disciples were not that good at stealing anything. <laughs> so it's just so that didn't happen, um, and uh, and so you you come to the conclusion. Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. And his having risen from the dead, he conquered sin. That means that the final penalty of sin is conquered, death. My sins are forgiven because Jesus has on himself taken what was my penalty, my debt. Mm-hmm. And he now has crucified that. Now I can go to him directly mm-hmm. and he is the forgiver of my sins. Uh I've been to many funerals. I've conducted many funerals. And I've learned some pretty important things in funerals. One in particular, dead people don't come back to life. Okay? I mean, there we have to say it. When someone dies, we go to the funeral. It's the last we see of them. Imagine what it would be like if a close friend or family member of yours died and pronounced dead, proven that they're dead, and they show up at your door a few days later. Like it would totally freak you out. Um, People have thought they've seen Elvis Presley at Walmart. (laughs) And there's been all kinds of hallucinations. People thought hallucinations, you know, mass Mm -hmm. hallucinations. The disciples wanted to believe Jesus was risen, so they thought they saw Jesus risen. The problem with that was over 500 followers saw Jesus walking within a matter of weeks after his resurrection. Mm -hmm. Men, women, believers, skeptics, indoor, they were outdoor, they were in Judea, in Galilee, in the urban, in rural settings. 
somewhere in the morning, somewhere in the evening, by the lake, by the hill, by the road, standing, sitting, walking. Okay, hallucinations don't work like that. So many Jesus sightings. All the skeptics needed to do, produce a dead body. And the rumors are squalled. And no one could produce a dead body. And the best way we know this is we get into the book of Acts in the Bible, Acts chapter 2. And one of the disciples, Peter's addressing a crowd of 3,000 people on, on Pentecost Day. And he begins to tell the story of Jesus' death and his resurrection. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is days after it. Mm-hmm. You have no record of anybody refuting. Number one, he was killed. Right. Number two, nobody knows where he is. This is days after. And the this is in the city he was crucified in. And it was not contested. In other words, you have a record in the early writings that it shook the region of what took place. It was a well-known mystery yeah. that not only had Jesus died, he had been seen after, the tomb was empty, and... And then I think really the last one is changed lives. Uh-huh. I mean, changed lives. The disciples were changed people. When they, they were pretty discouraged when Jesus went to the cross and all that took place. But when Jesus rose from the dead, these guys just took on life. Right. Uh, and they were confounding people. Their, their preaching, their talking, their way of living dramatically changed, changed lives. And, and actually that's probably a good evidence today because two, here we are 2,000 years later, and change lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know my life for one, mm-hmm. but I've been privileged to see if, over the years of, of, of just serving as a pastor, people who have been like night to day, their lives were just lost and despairing. And then coming to faith in Jesus and asking him through prayer to forgive them of their sins. And then just things change. And I know some would like to say that that's just, um, you know, they think they're better, so they are better. Mm-hmm. But so many of them, their lives just drastically changed. Their marriages were restored. They were a true father to their children, true mother to their children. They were uh, contributing members of society. They were compassionate. They were giving. They stopped areas where they were addicted. Their lifestyle changed to the positive. They were, con- again, contributing members. And it's really hard to say that that's coincidental. Right. You know, if you go to a good seminar, a pick-me-up type of a event, it usually works for two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. But these are changed lives right. through an encounter with a risen Savior. Yeah. So anyway, that's the power of the resurrection. Yeah. Is good Friday is good because, and we commemorate it, because we know what happens on Sunday. Yeah that Jesus, and we commemorate it every year. But you know, I'd like to even just say, I think in churches we need to commemorate it every week. Mm. Uh, when we get together, it's another commemoration. Jesus is alive. Yeah. Why? Well, take a look around. These are, uh, you know, we are one, uh, we are a bunch of broken people, messed up lives, but we have purpose. We have a sense of direction now. We feel peace in our heart, mm. uh, joy in our spirit. Doesn't mean things are perfect. Doesn't mean things we don't have problems. Doesn't mean we won't die. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean we won't have sorrow. But in the midst of it, there's this hope and peace and, again, the joy 
that we have experienced because of the risen Lord. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I've never heard of uh, of some of those theories before. But yeah, I just think even for people to make up or say that these um, sort of accounts were made up and fabricated, uh, the number one thing is why would they do that if there were people intent on proving right. yeah. <laughs> otherwise, right? Yeah. So it's just like, it doesn't it doesn't follow through. It doesn't make sense. You know, I was reading this morning, a little devotional thing I was reading, and it was talking about pigeonholing, mm-hmm. pigeonholing. I wasn't even sure there was, I, I've heard of pigeonhole, but I didn't know you could pigeonhole in. Yeah. And pigeonhole, the idea of pigeon comes out of a hole, and the pigeon always go back to the same hole. Right. And you never, a pigeon won't go to another hole. So the idea is you have pigeonholed me. You won't let me get out of my hole. And I was thinking about that, that you can present some of the best evidence, but many times we're pigeonholed. You know, mm-hmm. we we don't want to believe. Jesus, even when he walked, you know, and he was in Galilee, he would go back to his hometown. Mm-hmm. He would get up and he would do all the things he did elsewhere. You know, he, he preached, uh, he spoke of forgiveness, there was miracles, there were healings. But somewhere in the process... The people began to say, hey, isn't isn't he that carpenter? And they didn't refer to him in the past. Like, wasn't he once a carpenter? It was like, he's still that carpenter. Hmm. And we're not going to let him be anything but the carpenter. And it's the way they said it. He is the carpenter. He is not the Messiah. They refused, even though he had all the evidence. They refused to believe his... And then Jesus would go away. He could do very little because they... Pigeonholed him. They were they they were refused to believe even though the evidence is right in front of them. And and I think that's the greatest challenge, isn't it? Is that when like we need to dig in, examine it, but be careful. Let's not be pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. That I gotta believe because I've always believed. Mm -hmm. This is the way it's been. I can't believe anything different. But maybe somewhere along the way you open a heart up and say, God, if you're real, if you truly rose from the dead. I don't want to be naive. I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want to believe in the same old because I've always believed it or because I was told to believe it or I don't understand it fully. But if you are real, I think this is a valid prayer. Then God, reveal yourself to me. Right. Lord, I open my heart. Reveal yourself to me. If you are alive yeah. and you are God, reveal yourself to me. Yeah. And be open and honest and with eyes open expect that he will reveal himself. Right. And I, I've, I've heard stories over and over that when the, an open heart asks that kind of a question, yeah. they get a God answer. Yeah. And their lives are dramatically changed, changed because of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I think um, for, I think too, you know, how you said that when we meet every Sunday, it should be a reminder hmm. of that. And I, what, what you, what, when you were saying that, what I just imagine is the celebration of when we're meeting, right? right? The right. fact that he's not dead, he's yeah. alive. And um, sometimes we do focus heavily on that only at this time of right. year. But imagine if we really sort of remembered that each, that our God is alive. I heard one time, I think it was an apologetics um, lesson and it was like, Jesus is the only God of all the lowercase gods who came down and reached down to humanity. Every other um, mm. quote unquote God 
people had to go to them. Right. Right? Like he he is the only one who said, I'm going to come to you. Yeah. And I'm going to do this for you. So I'm going to start crying. You know, and, and isn't, it, <laughs> isn't it powerful though? To yeah. be, that is life shattering. Um, when you think that he has made himself available to me. Yeah. He did this for us. He did this for mankind. Uh, he picked, you know, this blue planet. Yeah. He chose to, to reduce himself in divine order. I mean, God, who is God of everything, to reduce himself to a body. I mean, th- you and I have never known anything different than these mm-hmm. bodies. Uh, we, but these bodies are limited. I can only be at one place at one time. Yeah. And he went from being everywhere present to one place at one time, experiencing sleepiness, tiredness, um, achy bones, you know, yeah. you know, standing too long, sitting too long, yeah. walking too long. Um, all the things that, you know, hunger pains, yeah. all the things we experience, the broken heart of somebody who, who grieves him. He, Jesus would cry. Mm-hmm. He, he had emotions. He had all that stuff. And he made himself of that and then even went beyond that to torture, which most of us haven't experienced, right. thank God. But he was tortured to, to experience death. Yeah. And that says how much he loves us. Yeah. That you're right. He's not just a God of rules and regulations, do's yeah. and don'ts. He's a God who says, I want to relate to you. Yeah. And, and I used to use the expression that God created us so he could have family. And I don't think it's fully wrong, but I've kind of tweaked it lately. God created us, I believe, a better response. God created us because he wanted someone to love. Hmm. He wanted to love us. Yeah. And what better way than his son who makes the way possible so that we can come back into a loving relationship with our our God. Yeah. No, it really is good. That's great. It's good. All almost, right. Almost made me cry. Almost made you cry. <laughs> almost made me cry. Lori would have probably been in tears. Yeah, she would have. Not with me, though. It'd be somebody else. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think, you know, if there's one thing that you take away from this, it is that Easter, the, and I notice, you know, that you don't ever say Easter Sunday. It's always Resurrection Sunday. And I found that so interesting. I picked up on that. And so I think this time of year, it's all about just remembering how much God loves us Mm. and how much he wants relationship with us so much so that he was willing to give his only son to endure the most horrendous death, but to be resurrected in the most amazing way. Um, And so, yeah, so there's that tension of celebration, but yet like honestly seeing that this is how much, I don't think anybody has ever experienced a love like that. You know, somebody doing that act for them so well this that's good pastor wayne thank you for another great uh great session and um we will how about maybe there's someone who's listening to this who um just does not they've had all those questions of maybe uh the resurrection didn't occur or it wasn't real or or something so how about you just sort of close us off in prayer that anyone who has experienced doubts or whatever that might be that god will reveal himself in a brand new way to them. Be glad to. So Father, we just bow because this is not a once a year experience. This is in the moment right now, an opportunity. And Lord, we, for listeners today, that if their hearts are at the place of saying, God, if you're real, would you show me? 
then God, I believe that. Lord, you said if we would seek for you with all our heart, we would find you. And so, Lord, for the heart that truly means that, then, Lord, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself through the things we've spoken of, through the scriptures. As we turn, we would understand them. That we would reach out maybe to somebody who is a Christian, or we would maybe go to a church and ask these questions. But, Lord, those aren't a prerequisite. It's simply by faith we come to you and ask you to forgive us of our sins. Because of your resurrection, our sins do not any longer have to be held against us. Our debt has been paid. That, Lord, you have freed us from uh, that penalty of sin. And so, Lord, we can experience that. It is life-giving. It changes everything. And I pray for changed lives today as we just put our faith and our trust in you. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this Easter you remember what it's all about. It's all about our God pursuing you because he wanted relationship with you.